Welcome to Point Me to Jesus. I'm your host, Tara McClary-Reeves, and I am so excited to introduce you to (laughs) someone that I'm meeting for the very first time, yet feel like I have known my whole life. Uh, Mark Gregston is the founder of Heartlight Ministries. He and his wife, Jan, have encouraged families Mm -hmm. over the years. He has had a podcast, a radio show, Um, that has ministered to Lee and me and our three children for decades. And I'm so thankful for parenting today's teens and for Mark's wisdom. And today we are getting a chance to uh, highlight Mark's latest venture. He has written many books, but this is his first children's book. And we're going to talk a little bit about where's Stitch. We listen, we live right outside of Charlotte for a couple yeah, of years yeah. and well, 10 years actually. And 106.9 would play you yeah. all the time because you had just little snippets. So yeah, yeah. it wasn't really your podcast. It was more just your daily yeah, uh, encouragement. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and so truly, you know, God has, has blessed you with Solomon's wisdom. <gasps> but we live with 65 high school kids. And, Tell the, and, our and you know it's about that, yeah. It, it's crazy. It, it's crazy. I mean, when I was 19, Jan and I were dating, and and uh, we dated all through high school. Our first date was a uh, uh, when this Christian band came through Tulsa, Oklahoma, called Led Zeppelin, and oh. um, and so we we started dating in ninth grade. We went off to different colleges and uh, came back, and somebody walked up to us and said, "Would you like to lead a young life club?" And of course we said, yeah, we'd love to. And so we poured our hearts into that while going to school. And, um, you know, about the second week, a man walked up to me and said, um, I'm struggling with my son. I don't know what to do. And I'm 19 and this kid was 17. And I just said, well, let him come live with me. And, uh, and he did. And so that kind of started this thing, even after we got married, when we were 20, we started letting kids come live with us that were struggling and having a tough time. And little did we know that, that we were getting a better education by living with these kids and meeting with his families than I was pursuing a uh, degree in, in real estate investments and finance. And, and so, you know, then this church approached and said, will you come work for us? And I said, I'll never work for the, for a church. And they said, well, we'll pay for your tuition and for you to go to law school. And, and I went, I can do that. And uh, so I was a youth guy for seven years, mm-hmm. left that, moved to a sports camp. And, and But my heart was always for these kids that were struggling and having a tough time. Mm-hmm. So we built a place in Texas called Heartlight. And, and now we've had over 3,000 kids live with us. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, and I think God has placed those kids in our life uh, to teach us lessons. And, and uh, every kid that gets here, I, I'm always looking at them going, they, they have a lesson to teach me. And, uh, and so that it's never ending. The stories never end or anything else. And, and uh, little did I know that I was going to be spending the rest of my life uh, doing this thing called Heartlight and working with families or being on the road a couple hundred nights out of the year. Or, you know, I just had no idea uh, and no plans either. People say it's why well, it's like you had a master plan and you're meeting all your goals. I've had no goals. Uh, I have not had a master plan. The master had a plan. And, and I'm sure that if he would have told me, I would have messed it up in some way. And so we just let it unfurl and see what happens. And that's, it's been a wonderful thing. And y'all have been so faithful, Mark, uh, you and Jan, and just the, the uncompromising lessons mm. and wisdom that you've imparted to us, because it's based on God's unchanging truth. 
Um, what do you think now coming out of this pandemic, which is really how this, this podcast ministry started was during wow. quarantine. Lee and I yeah. just wanted to be an encouragement. What have you seen? Because um, nothing is, uh, has God's words very clear that yeah. um, everything is the same under the sun, but are there some situations that you're dealing with coming out of this that um, may be new to you? Yeah, you know, I, I think I, I think these things kind of changed everything. I mean, yeah. it, the way kids communicate, the way they engage, and and it's been wonderful. I mean, I've, you know, I I get to communicate in ways I never have before, and I get to keep up with people and make connections. And but you know, it's not the basis of my life. It's it's right. a part of my life. And I think what happens with kids today is that that they be. Um, they become very lonely in their existence just because of the lack of relationships because they're thinking that this is the relationship mm -hmm. and it's not. And so, so these kids aren't having their relational needs met. And so the pandemic, what it did was accelerate everything. It separated people. It, it said, stay home, stay away from everybody else. And, and so it exacerbated and magnified all the stupid stuff they would do and parents started seeing that. And, and so it was almost like more kids were getting into trouble, but not really. They were trying desperately to fulfill the very thing that God had created them to be. And that's to be a relational person. And the sad thing is they don't know how to have relationships. And so all their attempts are, it's so frustrating for them that all their attempts, even when they are yelling at TikTok and, and uh, Facebook and, and I, mean, I mean, everything, it's Instagram, it's, it's all about, will somebody just look at me? Will somebody pay attention to me? Yeah. And so I think in that frustration that what we've seen is that it's accelerated depression and anxiety and suicide rates are going nuts. And, and, and the only way to appeal to these kids is through a relationship, just a personal relationship to give them a taste of the character of God by the way that we engage with them. Yeah. And so that's what I of, see. And, and out of this um, was born your, your first children's book, Where's Stitch, which is on a subject that seems yeah. so timely, to be honest with you, because you, you talk about grief and you talk about dealing with death, which has been a prevalent topic over the last 24 months. So tell yeah. us a little bit about that. Well, you know, I, I mean, I, we've had golden retrievers for a long time, over 42 years. And uh, so we've had the same lineage of dogs. This dog was a little bit special in that we had four golden retrievers at a time. We lost three of them within six months. Oh. One turned 19, one got cancer and one ran off when she went into heat. And, um, and so we let this dog come in the house. She came in and she slept between my wife and I every night for nine, 10 years. Um, oh. If I was in the recording studio, she was sitting with me. Every book that I've written, uh, she has been at my feet at that time. She's in my- I have one down here too. <laughs> there you go. She's at my in my truck going to work and every kid that lives with us knows her. And and uh, then one night she had a massive seizure and, and died and passed the next morning. And so, I mean, it was tough on us. It was like having a third child that was taken from us. And, and uh, but here's the thing that got me was that, people said, well, she's gone to doggy heaven. Mm -hmm. And I'm going, is that the best you've got? <laughs> really? And it, and it really kind of made me mad. And I thought, you know, we do this as Christians. Yeah. We don't recognize the loss that somebody's going through in their life. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. So we kind of make up things and, and they're ridiculous things. And I go, we do that all the time. We do it with grandparents. We, we run away from death. We don't want to see and talk about the losses and the hardships and the struggles and the difficulties and, and all the challenges that people face. And so we kind of candy coated a little bit and come up with these answers rather than saying, you know what? I don't know what the answer is. And it's okay to not know because we get this idea we have to know everything. Mm-hmm. And I know, I know this. I know that everybody hates a know-it-all. And so yeah. I spent a lot of time going, you know, I don't know. I don't know. And, and you know, when, and then when somebody comes, well, is my dog going to be in heaven? <coughs> and I've said this, you know, when you get to heaven, whistle and see if she comes to you. And that's how you're going to know. Yeah. But on this side, I don't know. And it's okay that say, I don't know, because that joins people together. And so I really didn't realize in writing the book that, I, I mean, it really was just an opportunity to talk about a dog that meant a lot to us and yeah. what yeah. we remember yes. and everything else. Yeah. But somebody made a comment to me. He said, it's almost like a theological treaty in, a, in the form of a children's book. Mm-hmm. And I went, yeah, that's probably true because that's what I was thinking is that it's okay to have that sense of wonder and that okay to have that sense of not knowing and trusting that God is going to take care of things, even if I don't know the answer. Yeah. And I don't, and, and, and I'm pretty comfortable with saying, I don't know the answer to everything. I, I don't. And so when I say we're stitch, I mean, yeah, something we're... like that. When I say we're stitch, I don't know. Her carcass is, is in our backyard. I still yeah. have a grave mark from two years ago, but yeah. I, I don't know where she is. And that's okay. And that creates discussion with kids. It helps them, uh, you know, dive a little bit deeper and move from concrete thinking to abstract thinking. It helps them get a perspective of life and let them know that it's okay to talk about loss and hurt. It's okay to cry and tear up and have a tough time. And, and, uh, and so that's really the kind of the impetus of the whole book, really. Did you grow up um, with a mom and dad that were great conversationalists? Because you are, and you do talk about everything. And I've watched countless interviews and, and yeah. seen you interact. Is, is that how you were raised to just be so comfortable talking about whatever no. subject? No, no, not at all. No. Uh, not, not at all. My dad, um, who's in hospice right now, and and he doesn't remember us and, you know, all this, it's, it's kind of sad, but you know, I've always said this, he, he's deaf now and, and he can't hear, but he's never listened to anybody anyway. And so, no, I wasn't that, or my parents weren't those upfront speakers and talkers and there weren't any long discussions or anything else, but I, but I long for that though. And I think that's why I enjoyed all kids all along is get, they want to talk about everything and it's very easy yeah. for me to talk to them. So, you know, but, but you seem just to, to mirror the Lord in, in so many ways in terms of his love of children. Well, you know, when scripture says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us, I mean, if we're to treat people like God treats us, aren't we supposed to allow the word to become flesh in our own lives and Mm -hmm. dwell among them? I mean, it's, it's almost that we become a, a Christ, if you will, to them that leads them to him, but give them a taste of the character of God. And, 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 and I, I'm not saying that, that I, I'm with, you know, without fault. I'm not saying right. that at all. I mean, right. there's, I'm a mess, but, but right. there's a part of me that, that really is drawn to um, kids who ask questions or having a tough time. Cause most of the kids that live with us, hate God, don't want anything to do with him. God's disappointed. 
them. I mean, either a parent's died or somebody committed suicide in their family. They're angry, depressed, they're upset, they're, you know, whatever it is, I, you know, and they feel like God's abandoned them. And I'm going, you know what, that's okay. That's, that's really all right. I mean, because what I want to do is just live my life before them to not only share the gospel, but to share my life as well. Um, and just spend time with them. So I got kids coming up to me now. Can we go get coffee? Can we eat lunch? Can we, I, you know, I'm, I'm attracting more people at 67 years old, yeah. you know, than I did when I was 21 years old as a youth pastor. And so to me, it's an, it's an interesting piece of the puzzle of this relationship scheme that we're made, that we're really made for. And we just do this little thing with kids. And as a result, spend a lot of time with parents now. So was it a threat to your own biological children? Uh, did they feel slighted in any way? Yes. They did. <laughs> they did. You know, and, and, and I learned that late. Um, I realized that I was spending more time with other kids than I was my own, like we all do. I mean, if you're working somewhere, you're spending more time at work than you are with your family. If you or a teacher, you spend more time with other kids than you do with your own kids, if you, you know, whatever that is. And I, but I never really realized how they were interpreting that, that they thought I was yeah. choosing other kids over them. And yeah. so they wrestled with some issues of, of just that self-worth and, and uh, wanting to meet those expectations and feeling like I was so busy. And I was, I was so busy. Yeah. Uh, you live with, at that time, at the beginning, we lived with, you know, 15 kids, and I mean, I, I felt like we ignored our kids sometimes, not because we wanted to, but but just because we got in over our head. Yeah, and the demand. Yeah, it really was. So yeah, yeah. Who in ministry do you admire um, that you looked up to uh, when you first entered ministry? You you're kind of the one that so many look up to now, but oh. for you personally, um, yeah, yeah, Chuck Swindoll. Oh, I love Chuck. Yeah. You know, and he's become a dear friend, um, which has been amazing. I've been able to eat with him a number of times. We've done some radio stuff together. Well, he's practical. He's authentic. And he takes scripture and it makes it comes alive. I mean, you just kind of go. I mean, he's the funniest man I've ever listened to. I mean, I think he's like 150 years old and (laughs) and his wife is probably the same. And he always make he always makes comments about how good looking her legs are. And I just (laughs) it makes me laugh. And he I mean, he is a wonderful, wonderful man. And and he would say the same thing about his family. Yeah, the exact well, I, same thing. I, please tell him I, he won't remember this, but uh, but my dad is is a wounded warrior and is a Marine, and yeah, they, they've been married fifty five years. This past March twenty sixth, but on their fortieth, I did an album of letters of men and women that my parents had admired throughout their marriage, like Billy and Ruth Graham, and so yeah, many. Yeah. Chuck Swindoll's letter mark was the very first one I received. Wow. The very first letter, the one that I really do not think would answer, but a handwritten note to Cleve, Indiana, uh, just thanking them for their wow. commitment to love. So please tell him how much I've never forgotten that. I that had not so met cool. him personally. Daddy had. I think Daddy had spoken at his church years ago. And yeah, um, yeah, yeah. it was amazing just how rapid that was. But it just shows you the type of man that he is. So. Well, he is. He, and, you know, and that's him. It's not somebody else writing a letter. Oh, Whenever it was I, not. It was it was not a secretary's handwriting. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I've got I've got a couple of Bibles here on my desk and I've got a picture of him over here. I mean, I've got stuff. 
from him that he'll just write and bring me a Bible. And I go, what, the Chuck Swindoll Bible? Are you kidding me? I mean, are you next Are you next to God now or something? And I mean, and so he jokes about that. He's just, he's a funny man that sticks to what he believes and to the truth. He yeah. makes it authentic, but everybody, everybody feels welcomed in his presence. And, uh, and to me, that is a man that I go, you know, I really desire to be looked at as he is looked at and um well y'all are both good guy you're you're god's men but you're you're also people people which um yeah is so needed in in our world today and i will say that his series on the heroes of the faith is one of my favorites yeah Um, yeah I just absolutely get so much out of that. And I've gotten so much out of your material. This being your first children's book, do you think there's going to be a, do you think there's going to be a series of stitch books? A cute, (laughs) I could see a cute cartoon coming out of this. We need. Oh, I mean, yeah, it's, it's crazy. And you know, and it's funny last July, my wife uh, found a little baby raccoon um, that was out by our office. And most people hate raccoons, but I mean, I fell in love with this thing. So we kept it in our house for probably the next three or four months. And, uh, um, and so we adopted it. I mean, the mother, a mother abandoned it. So we adopted it. And, um, and then we finally gave it up to somebody who paired it with a male and, and they set it out in the woods a a few months ago. And so somebody said, you need to write a book on a a children's book on adoption and talk about Roxy. And, And so people have been saying, well, now, well, you need to write one on a cow. And we have a bunch of horses as well. <laughs> you could you, be the new modern uh, Jim Elliott for children's books. Well, I know it's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, I, no, James Harriet, who did James, All Creatures Great and Small. James yeah. Harriet. Yeah. Yeah. Elliot was the mission. Yeah. <laughs> and that, I, and that so, would be a great idea. Yeah. And so, I, I mean, it's to me, it's amazing. I mean, it, it's, it's been a funny thing to just think in those children's terms yeah. of how, and, and it's harder for me because you're taking, uh, it, it's like writing a country song. I, you know, yeah. I'm not, uh, uh, people have told me we do a lot of stuff with songwriters and they say, well, you need to write some songs. Like I, I, I can't narrow a, a concept down to three minutes. I, I've got chapters. I said, I just feel like I need to write a chapter about it. And yeah. uh and the same way with a children's book, it's it's harder yeah, that's to, be, true. to be more brief, yeah. and to, but yet to convey the message. And so it took me a while to figure it out. And and uh, and and well, now, so when now it, it looks like you have the formula because uh, it, it's really well done. And and I love the, the the discussion that it is going to bring, especially at bedtime. And it's going yeah, to foster yeah. those caregivers with their children, whether it be a grandparent or whether it be a neighbor or whether it be a mommy or daddy uh, on a very um, pivotal subject that, you know, is going to be relevant to those children. So you've done, you've done a great job. So I can't wait to read Roxy Stitch. Now was Stitch actually your doggy's name? Yeah. 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 When she was born, I mean, we had the, the mother and the dad and, but when she was born, her mother in cleaning her up bit part of the umbilical cord and some of her skin off. And so okay. we took her up to the barn and had to stitch her up. And so yeah. she got the name stitch. And, oh, I, and I mean, and so she was with us. I mean, we, I, I, they just did a, a little ad on me holding another puppy. And I said that, you know, it's the only time that we get to, we get to, you know, 
hold something that is born and then and then hold them while they pass, you know, in a short amount of time. And I and I think it's because I really think that that that, that animals live less than we do because it doesn't take them as long to figure out life. And uh, <laughs> I mean, that dog, if I could be half the person that that she was, I'd be twice as good off. I mean, she wow. listened well. She was a great companion. She, um, I mean, she was encouraging just by not saying anything, yeah. just by being quiet and just like the dog at your feet right now. I mean, there's, yeah. there's something about companionship and, the, and there's a lot of lessons to be taught about how animals treat us and how they respond to us. And, and so to me, it was a, a magnificent way to, yeah. it really started me just, you know, dealing with my own grief of losing a, a dear, dear friend. And, and at the same time, it was a, another opportunity to, um, to just kind of go, I'm going to write something for her just to honor her. That, I mean, that's what it was. It, it was never the idea of let's do a children's book. And when I told yeah. somebody about it, they said, you know, you need to put that in a children's book. And so it was funny on this cruise that I went on where we crossed the Atlantic and all that. Somebody asked me about the book and this man, 69 years old, just starts bawling. I mean, crying, just big old tears coming down his face. And he's got a dog at home that's ready to be lost. But it, but it's really because he's never dealt with loss in his whole life. Mm. And so the encouragement. And so we spent all these days on a boat, 13 days on a boat crossing the Atlantic, mm -hmm. talking about loss and difficulty and hardship. And, mm -hmm. and so, I, I mean, I hope it opens the door for families to be able to talk about things that have always been hard to talk about those old secret family issues that never come up the, the imperfections, the, you know, the difficult times that everybody went through. I wanted to ask you, I ask all my guests this, I know who your modern hero of the faith is, but who would you say is your hero of the faith from God's word? You know, I, I think Paul had had an amazing way of, of taking um, scripture and living it. And, and, he, and he writes about it because he, he says all the time, he says, remember how I was with you, uh, how I was well pleased to share the gospel. Uh, but not only the gospel, but my life as well. I didn't come to you with flattering speech. You remember how blameless I was. I mean, he was always encouraging in so many different ways. And, and I, I find myself being drawn back to that all the time, that of, of here's a guy that would be willing to put people to death and be a horrible, horrible person. Now he wants to spend time with all those people. Yeah. And I, and, and sometimes I get the idea and, and um, Bob Goff says it well. He says, God has a message for you, but it's through other people. And uh, I think that those are our signs. It's we, we're, we're looking for something spiritual, and it's right here. It's right before us, because God is using everybody to teach us something about them, but also about who he is in the process. And so yeah. I would definitely say Paul. You think he would have been a good dog owner? Oh, he, I know he has dogs. I know <laughs> And I'm pretty sure he doesn't have any cats. And, <laughs> that's uh, but <laughs> that's what my husband would say to you. <laughs> yeah. But people always say, is my cat going to be in heaven? I go, I'm, you know, I'm just going to leave that one alone. I'm just, you know, <laughs> you, you <laughs> because you get a... to heaven and whistle and your cat's not coming. You know, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so. 
That's awesome. Well, audience, you have really been treated today by an amazing man that loves Jesus and loves you. You show it so well. You live the love of Christ Jesus so well, Mark, as does Jan. Thank you for y'all's witness. And I want everybody to get a copy of Mark's latest Where's Stitch. It will truly open up some amazing conversations for your family and for you personally on the subject of grief. So Mark Gregston, thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me.